you're not saying it's under control, right? I'm not referring to it, meaning the... Yeah, if you're talking about the virus, no, that's not under control for any place in the world. It's not under control for any place in the world. Let's note, this is quite different from what we heard from the president just yesterday. It's a very contagious virus. It's uh, incredible. But it's something that we have uh, tremendous control of. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. This is a new day in America as the country begins to adjust to new ways of life in response to this global coronavirus pandemic. Industries are facing a new harsh economic reality, and Americans are just facing a new reality of their everyday lives, with schools canceled across the nation, children at home, many companies having their employees uh, work from home, restaurants, bars, cultural centers shut down, and an urging from health officials to really practice this social distancing creates just a new fabric of American life. And, you know, to uh, record a podcast in the middle of the afternoon uh, is a dangerous thing to do because the developments are so fast and furious. We will get to uh, the huge downswing we're seeing in the markets and the economic impacts more broadly in just a little bit. But we also uh, see this playing out in the political realm. There was a potentially final Uh, First and final one-on-one debate between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden last night here at CNN Studios in Washington, D.C. And obviously, uh, Donald Trump and his leadership front and center and criticism of it in terms of the entirety of the management of this moment in time in American life. So I've got two great guests to talk about all of that in a little bit. We'll be joined by Christina Aleshi, CNN business and politics correspondent, I should note. You're both not sitting in front of me here. Uh, We're doing our own bit of social distancing as we chat over the phone. But first, I've got Zach Wolf, CNN senior writer on the line. And and Zach, I just wanted to, uh, before the debate completely disappears into the ether, since we do politics on this podcast, I wanted to get your sense on how you think Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders sort of met this moment in our new American life last night on the debate stage. I was surprised. And I'll tell you, I I kind of after last week and as we all started focusing on coronavirus more and more, I was a little bit surprised and struck at the um, way that Sanders in particular wanted to continue to draw uh, distinctions, hard distinctions between himself and Biden. He is not ready to move on from this primary quite yet, even though he doesn't really have a path uh, to the delegates to get the nomination. He still wants to talk about sort of the systemic change that is behind his uh, supporters, whereas I thought maybe a lot of Democrats would be thinking that we've had that talk uh, over the last couple of months. And now there's this other worldwide pandemic that's totally, you know, taking over our lives, maybe it's not the time to talk about um, some of these differences in the Democratic Party. But I was surprised, I think, that those those that was still the topic of conversation, particularly with Sanders. He's not ready to throw in the towel, I guess. And I I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, no, that that definitely surprised me also. Um, 
It was also an opportunity for Joe Biden, who is, you know, very likely going to be the nominee here. There's not much of a Democratic nomination race left, uh, according to the delegate math, uh, an opportunity for him to sort of contrast uh, his leadership uh, with Donald Trump's when it got to the issue of coronavirus, which dominated the first 40 minutes of the debate um, and his you know, pledge to use the military, his uh, mastery of just long service in government and understanding the various levers of government. Uh, so I think that that was something that the Biden folks were particularly uh, pleased with for their candidate to, to have that opportunity. And on that front, Bernie Sanders seemed more uh, before it got to this more contentious part you're talking about, Zach. But Bernie Sanders seemed to be more, you know, using it as an opportunity to get back to Medicare for all and, and health care for all Americans rather than, um, you know, sort of wearing the mantle of presidential leadership and, and putting himself in the Oval Office uh, in a uh, in as sure footed a position. Uh, he seemed less interested in really contrasting with with Trump and more interested in in tying the coronavirus news environment into his sort of pre-existing agenda. And, you know, let, let me just follow on from that. In a lot of ways, this is the perfect time to talk about the Sanders agenda because we are about to test if if you look at what's going on in Italy and some of these other countries, if that happens here in the U.S., we are about to test the private health insurance industry in a way in a in a national way that it has never been tested before. If if the pandemic sort of takes hold and really, uh, you know, and, and we're overwhelming uh, emergency rooms and, and looking for respirators. And if that kind of thing happens, that would, you know, in a lot of ways, be an argument for Sanders to say, we need to have the federal government be in control of this stuff. So while we're sort of moving on, it's also still a good time to have the talks that Democrats want to have. Now, in terms of you know, there's this always the idea of who looks more presidential and who is going to use the federal government better. There was a, certainly a contrast between both candidates last night and how seriously they would take this compared to President Trump, who sort of had to be drug into, you know, admitting that this is a problem and has really ceded leadership on what to do about it to state and local governments. And at the same time, maybe a bottom-up approach works in a in a country of 350 million people. You don't necessarily want the 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 you know the U.S. government by fiat saying what everybody should do. But there certainly hasn't been the amount of leadership I think that a lot of of Americans and and states want. That's how you have this patchwork response that's happening right now. Yeah, one place that Biden and Sanders did agree was on um, the need for immediate economic relief injected into uh, the system for Americans who are going to be severely impacted by this uh, drastic change in uh, work, in industry, and in uh, people's livelihoods. And I I just want you to hear a little bit of uh, both Biden and Sanders uh, on the economic impact, uh, because this was one of those places where it was a real contrast with, with Donald Trump. We have to deal with the economic fallout quickly. And that means making sure the people who, in fact, lose their job, don't get a paycheck, can't pay their mortgage, are able to pay it and pay them now. Bottom line, from an economic point of view, what we have got to say to the American people, if you lose your job, you will be made whole. You're not going to lose income. 
you know, Zach, the, the candidates offer that up as uh, the Senate still has in its lap the House bill that was passed that was negotiated between Pelosi and Mnuchin that Trump says he's going to sign. Nancy Pelosi's already indicated she's working on sort of a third uh, stimulus bill, if you will, in response to coronavirus uh, before uh, the one that just passed the House last week has even made its way through the Senate. But clearly you have these two Democratic contenders uh, urging in that direction that more stimulus is needed, no? Yeah, and I think that's a direction we're going to see lawmakers move to very quickly. Um, you know, just as the economy absorbs this, I mean, punch in the face, you're going to have to have the government really step in and provide some kind of backstop. We even saw Mitt Romney um, today suggest that every every adult should get a thousand dollars. That's not something that's you know seriously gone through the White House yet. They're not exactly. I would point out that bill that you said that's in the Senate's lab. While it might get passed eventually, they're not moving. You know, they're not voting on it today. It seems like they're going to have to wait out the clock. You know, there will be some opposition to it. So there's still going to be this political, uh, you know, gamesmanship over what the government should do, how it should make people whole um, and what industries should be propped up. It seems like the airline industry in particular is just going to have to be completely bailed out again um, after after it has been in in the past. That's the kind of thing that really aggravates um, voters because they feel like um, corporations play by a different set of rules. It might be necessary to save the economy. It also makes people quite angry when you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, TARP was a perfect example of that back in 2008. In fact, Romney mentioned in his proposal for the $1,000 for every American uh, looking at uh, 2001 and 2008 uh, when the Bush administration did push through that kind of stimulus, uh, I saw one of C- uh, George W. Bush's senior economic advisors was in favor of this as well. I'll be very curious to see if, if President Trump picks up the mantle. But you did talk about that punch in the face uh, that the markets are taking today. Uh, and so now we are joined by Christina Aleshi, CNN business and politics correspondent. And Christina, again, I just want to remind our audience we're recording this podcast uh, a couple hours before the market closes, I see now the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 2,278 points. Uh, it's still hovering above the 20,000 mark. Uh, but but Donald Trump may be on his way to overseeing a market here that erases all of the gains made in his presidential administration. Oh, that could easily happen. And that is a true political risk for him. As you know, David, he has used the stock market as a as a selling point in campaign literature, and he continues to do so when it goes up. Conveniently, of course, he doesn't mention these days when you see absolute panic in the market. And what I'm hearing from my sources on Wall Street all day long is this kind of activity, this volatility that we're seeing, you know, 2,000 points down on the Dow. This is sheer panic. This is investors not knowing where we go from here. And to be clear, the Federal Reserve did step in yesterday and it took some moves to reassure the markets. But investors are telling me today that the only thing that's going to calm their nerves is some kind of medical breakthrough on the coronavirus or some sign of containment. So Wall Street doesn't like uncertainty. It cannot see around the corner. It cannot see when cases are going to level off. And until that 
really comes through, you're going to see these crazy days and that's going to unsettle a lot of people. And one of the biggest investors out there today said, you know, the market can drive. Sometimes we talk about the disconnect between what's going on in the market and what's going on in the real economy in situations like this, Wall Street versus Main Street. Yeah. In situations like this, though, these kinds of market moves have a psychological impact on people. They start to wonder, what is my 401k doing? Am I going to have enough money to retire? Is my employer going to lay me off? All of that uncertainty feeds into the real economy. It really impacts, no doubt about that. You know, consumer behavior, um, business behavior. So that's all feeding yeah. on itself. Christina, just explain to me, though, did the Fed take that action to go to near zero interest rates? last night in order to avoid a day like this? Or was it to avoid a worse day than this? I mean, that the market doesn't seem to be sort of accepting of what the Fed did as some, uh, some you know, real Band-Aid here. You're right. And part of this is driven by the fact that the market had priced in zero. Uh, it, basically, the Fed cut interest rates to near zero percent. The market had already expected that to happen. So that wasn't a surprise. What was a surprise is that the Federal Reserve did it on a Sunday night. That is in a that's a sign of urgency. So that probably unnerved investors. And in addition, and this is the bigger point, really, the Federal Reserve came in and announced an asset buying program. And what is that 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 is designed to really keep the markets functioning and uh, allowing for an orderly marketplace for buyers and sellers to transact in. And uh, both of those actions, to your point, have not really quelled the nerves in the equity market and the stock market. But that is because equity investors, stock investors are looking to Washington, D.C. They want to see the federal government Congress act to put money in the hands of consumers. They say, fine, you may avoid a financial meltdown in the markets by taking these moves, but that's not going to prevent the real economy from tanking. And in order to do that, you need to put money directly in the hands of consumers and businesses. Okay, so let's say uh, just to just to pick an idea out there, let's take Mitt Romney's. Everybody gets a thousand dollars. Every adult in the country, let's say for the as a hypothetical, everybody gets a check in the next 60 days and they can't go spend it because they're unable to leave their houses. Is that kind of thing actually going to, to satisfy this? I mean, can the market how long can the market do this without people being able to leave their houses without um, any sort of true containment occurring. I mean, this could go on for 14 weeks if you look at if you look at some of these news reports. Do investors at some point just say, "Well, we just have to wait," or is there a way that they just stop trading on the market? There have been there has been talk about potential, you know, stop down on trading. I most people at this point, most large investors, most economists, strategists are telling me that's unlikely to happen. But we are definitely in somewhat of un uncharted territories. Of course, we've seen this kind of panic during the financial crisis. Look, could they stop trading? Maybe. But I, that's kind of, it's kind of premature to talk about that now. To your point, though, giving people an extra thousand um, dollars may not allay their concerns about being laid off. It may not spur them to make the purchasing decisions 
Americans, um, what what will help them is some kind of reassurance that the federal government uh, will take some actions to blunt the impact. So it's got to do more than put a thousand dollars into the hands of every single American. It, it almost has to be um, a backstop for people who uh, are going to lose their jobs and lose income. I mean, I'm looking at the incredible impact right now. People are not going to restaurants. Huge companies like Nike and Apple have announced store closures. U.S. car manufacturers are now starting to think about adjusting schedules. All of these people are not going to have income. How do you address that? So I think it goes beyond cutting a one-time check. I think the federal government is really going to be challenged to think about bigger solutions here. And that's why you're seeing huge numbers being thrown out by some of um, some economists and strategists saying, the federal government uh, government's got to go way beyond what it issued uh, uh, about a week ago in, in in federal stimulus. Amazing, Christina. And, you know, as you said, it's also looking for the containment news, the markets. Yes. Uh, they are they are looking for uh, health breakthrough. So when they see reports like today that President Trump was on a call with the nation's governors and said, we're backing you, but try to get the stuff for yourselves, the, the respirators and, and uh, the, the ventilators, you know, we know there's a concern, but you really have to get them on your own. I mean, that is not a confidence building kind of moment uh, when you see the president of the United States sort of tell governors, uh, we've got your back, but really, this is something you should be trying to shore up your stockpiles on your own. That's one piece. And Canada, we're learning now, is going to deny entry to anyone who isn't a citizen or permanent resident. There will be some exceptions, including family members and U.S. citizens. But uh, this is new action from Canada today as well. We're waiting to hear on these um, primary elections tomorrow in four big states, Florida, Ohio, Illinois, Arizona, uh, that, you know, officials had been saying they think they can really deliver these elections, but it is so at odds with the CDC guidelines that came out last night about 50 people uh, gathering in some place is in one place is to be avoided. It's hard to imagine how those primaries are, are going to be pulled off without real concerns about um, having a lot of people in a space together. So it just there's no piece of uh public or private life right now that seems not impacted by this. I can't thank you both enough. Christina Aleshi, Zach Wolf, thank you both for being here so much. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe. Wash your hands. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.